All right. And there we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of... Uh, this one is our Labs Open Office Hour. This week we have Kelly Shipman, our resident uh, up-and-coming Unreal Engine expert, um, and I suppose as an aside, virtual production sort of uh, expert as well. I think that's... Is that kind of the main focus of what you're doing with Unreal? Okay. Mm -hmm. Hold just a moment. It looks like your audio is not going out. One moment, please. Can I get a test from you real quick? Yes, sir. Perfect. Okay, so start over. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yes, we're doing a lot of virtual production stuff, not because... Um, that's what we intended to, but like as we started saying, hey, we're doing Unreal, the mm -hmm. virtual production community was like, hey, we want, we need this kind of information. So it kind of just went that way. Okay. That's really we, cool stuff. I mean, we already had a lot of customers looking for that kind of information, so that was on our radar, but mm -hmm. it just, we had a resounding uh, approval from that community for more information. So we're like, all right. Yeah. So, um, how does it? How do you? Uh, how do you test that sort of thing? What are you looking for, um, especially at home? Like, do you get to actually kind of play around and like, oh, I'm dancing inside a halo or something? Not yet. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I don't have a green screen, mm. so um, that kind of limits. I did some experiment with using a software to remove the background. Oh um, yeah. Okay. That kind of worked. It just adds a lot more stuff. Um, but in my testing and playing around with just using a camera input into it, that didn't have a huge performance impact on oh. the scene anyways. So okay. it's not a big deal that I don't have access to that directly. Oh, all right. Um, which is convenient because then at the 12 test beds I have up in labs, I don't have to have those connected, each one of those connected to cameras and green screens oh. and all that kind of stuff for once the tests are automated. Awesome. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So uh, I'm curious, uh, I know part of part of your learning is, is going to be around like a benchmark, right? How, how mm -hmm. is that going? Uh, that's going good. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the biggest hurdle to that is just my lack of programming knowledge and just trying oh. to learn like how to do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I ask like Matt, like what's some tip you have for this type of thing? And he rattles off this long <laughs> thing. And I'm like, I don't understand any words <laughs> you just said. So, okay, cool. But I'll have that as a reference to look up each of those lines that you just gave me and see what they mean. Um, but it's going all right. Um, right now, I'm mainly just focusing on doing everything um, somewhat manually um, okay. and like writing down, okay, Unreal will output certain information to a log file. Okay. Um, and so I know like when I hit start on something like um, building uh, shaders, let's say, when I hit start, it shows in the log file the timestamp of when that was started and then a the timestamp of when it ended. And there's a whole bunch of information between. So as oh. long as I know what those lines are to look for, I can just open up the log file, find them, see what the timestamps are, calculate the time. Um, so eventually I'll be able to have something automated that can read for that and then just give me a time. 
That's pretty cool. So, um, so what kind of, uh, like, I guess, what kind of things are you looking for, or, or have you the the input that you've been receiving? Like, what matters for virtual production? For virtual production, um, main things are um, frame performance, like how how much stuff can you put in the scene and still get a reasonable frame rate. For virtual production, um, most everything is capped at 24, 30 frames per second, whatever, okay. you know, whatever like the trash you at. Yeah, okay. like there's no sense in, you know, rendering 120 frames per second if your output is only 30. So sure. try to get it close to that. And then um, you can actually lock the frame rate. Oh. Um, especially if you're using quadro cards, there's a sync card in there that you can mm -hmm. get that um, you, with specific hardware will only render with the the frame capture of the camera. Okay. So that way your target is refreshing the same time that your camera is taking an image and not anything else. Well, that's that cool. way your camera's not going to capture half redraw of the screen and have some tearing oh. or anything else like that. Um, nice. So they're not looking for FPS measure per se, even though that's okay. the statistic I used for my benchmark. Uh -huh. um, but it's more of like, the more you put in, the better this does. So therefore, that means if this card has a higher frames per second than this card in this test, that means I can put more stuff into the scene and still get my 30 FPS with this card. Okay. I don't know how looking at it. It's just a different way of looking at what the FPS means to a person. Okay. Because um, really, high frame rates only matter to um, competitive gamers. Like sure. Beyond that, they're, <laughs> they're worthless. Um, as a metric, right? Like as, a metric, as a, yeah. or as I suppose as like a benchmark comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Which is okay. why we don't use games for any of our benchmarks. Um, it's just it doesn't. There's too many other variables going on. It doesn't mean right. something. Like I mean, yeah, you you can guess that it has more horsepower. Like right. You know, Kind of knew that just from looking at the spec sheet. Like we didn't, <laughs> didn't run any game, um, yeah. but like, what does it actually mean for production use? Right. That's why a lot of my the even the benchmarks I did publish for mm -hmm. frame rate, um, they're like on a RTX 3090, it was hitting like you know 20 to 40 FPS, like okay. the beefiest card that we have, is because like that's the kind of stuff that people are doing like they want to know can i throw everything at this card does it run uh, crisis yeah exactly. <laughs> um so on the graphic side that's what we're kind of looking at for on mm -hmm. the cpu side which is where most of my time is this this week um, oh, and for the next okay. kind of several weeks probably is cpu um that's building shaders mm -hmm. um building lighting um which building lighting is less important for ray tracing applications as opposed to like the old traditional rasterized games, which is Makes still sense. important. A lot of people still do that because it's cheaper to render, it's easier to deal with and um, all that kind of stuff. So that's still important. Um, and then compiling the engine from source code, which is a big mm -hmm. deal for the machine learning people um, oh, because okay. they're, 
they're going to take the source code and make modifications so they can input all their machine learning hooks in there and have TensorFlow connected to what's happening in the game. Um, so they need to know that kind of stuff. And then, um, what's the other one? Oh, like packaging up a final product. Like Oh, okay. Like the executable like, or whatever. Yeah. And mm. that's all CPU bound tests. So oh. I'm trying to figure out how do we measure that? Some of these tests take a long time. Like on a you know 3990 <laughs> Threadripper, um, yeah. you know, it could still push half hour, hour or more for wow. a faster test. And so then I try to run that on, you know, a 10700 and it's gonna be a couple hours to get it done. Like Jeez. um figuring out oh, where that fine. balance is between the speed to get an efficient test and to get good results. That's kind of where I'm messing around with stuff right now is trying to figure out how to do that. Nice. I yeah. wouldn't, uh, I guess I just, I don't know really what to expect from, from a lot of this stuff, but um, I'm, I am a little surprised to hear like how long some of that takes. Like, mm -hmm. um, huh? Wow. So yeah. we do have we have a question from Twitch. Uh, Random slurpiness uh, is wondering for for you, Kelly. Um, what do you find is the biggest bottleneck in your workflow? Uh, memory, CPU cores, VRAM, etc. Uh, he's asking because he helps some other game developers with system suggestions. Uh, for the game developer side, mm -hmm. um, what most people are coming are have come to me about is. Um, uh, times for building shaders okay. um, and um, mainly building shaders. That's the like real brutal one um, okay. or potentially building the lighting of complex scenes. If you're not using ray tracing, um, those are like so, the biggest bottlenecks. So would um, for just because I'm kind of uneducated in this, what are, what are shaders? And, and I know a little bit about the lighting part. I know you've, you've talked about that, but um, mm -hmm. just kind of touch on, touch on the shader part. Like why okay. is that so important? So a shader is, um, so you probably know what a texture is. Just, sure. You know, 2D it's image. Wrapper that, that's, around a... Yeah. So mm -hmm. a shader is the material properties of a, the properties of a material. So it's going to oh. be a combination of, multiple textures um mm -hmm. it's going to be kind of visual effects any kind of other stuff that happens to that material when it gets rendered okay um, so it's a whole node of stuff and that's a shader um, huh. essentially there's, there's more nuance to it but yeah things have moved well beyond just to throw a texture on it to being like no it's wood plus it has this normal oh. map and specularity and all these other materials. Plus it yeah. has this kind of sheen or like when, a, um, like say if something is selectable, it maybe it has like that glow to it in a game. Okay. And that's all built into the shader of. Ah, I remember when the source engine was brand spanking new. And mm -hmm. I think, I think um, during a demo, they had somebody like walking across the different floor materials. It was basically the same floor, but they had applied a different texture or I suppose now a shader. And it was like, mm -hmm. it would clink if it was metal or it would thud if it was wood mm -hmm. and it would like the wood would could disintegrate where the metal would just create sparks. And so that mm -hmm. those sort that sort of information is built into the shader. Usually the sound effects is not, okay. um, but 
it's kind of that similar thing. Like it's the properties of the oh, visual properties yeah. of the material. Okay. Okay. Neat. Yeah. Um, um so like cool. building those, um, a lot of times, uh, a game developer will have to rebuild all of the shaders, um, mm. in the game. And that could be thousands and thousands of shaders. Like some wow. of the uh, test scenes that I was doing my, um, GPU testing on, it's like one little map, but it has 6,000 shaders. Um, Whoa. So like, it's, it's a lot of information and it takes a <laughs> yeah. lot of time. That's cool. Uh, Ash Loki would like you to know that he's very thankful for Puget covering viewport and usability metrics. Uh, so many of us are building work of which rendering and exporting are only a part. So mm -hmm. right on. Um, let's see. I'm, I'm, Huh. How, how is there, is there a good crossover from like some of the game development, um, I suppose experience and background with the visual production it's not, it, or virtual production? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, there's quite a bit of crossover. Um, like it's using the same game development pipeline. Um, okay. It's not like it's the final product is just a little different is all. So instead of um, having to worry about this wide range of lower end hardware and trying to make things efficient and trying to make it run as smoothly as possible. It's about how much can we get out of this engine for these 30 frames every second to make it look as beautiful as possible. Um, okay. It's just a little different from uh, a little bit different like end goal. Um, mm, you also okay. don't, the virtual production doesn't have to worry about Usually they don't have to worry about um, compiling the source code or packaging up a final product. Um, they can just run it through the engine. Um, a few of the other things they don't have to worry about that game developers do, but that's more on the CPU side. Oh, okay. Uh, have you found anything really kind of interesting or, or exciting, something that you weren't expecting uh, in all of this? Um, I think the biggest surprise to me um, going into Unreal, because I came to mm -hmm. Unreal from the game dev, game dev side, like we said. Right. Um, biggest surprise to me was how many Unreal users are using Quadro cards. Oh. It's actually quite a bit. If you're not in the game space, uh -huh. a lot of them are using Quadro for architecture, oh. for virtual production is a lot of Quadro if you're doing it's almost required if you um, are doing multiple systems trying to run a big LED volume. Oh, sure. Or um, you have a, a camera that you need to sync up with the rendering of the in the engine. It's that's pretty, pretty much cool. required because that's the only, only them support sync cards. They have a little special little right. physical port on the, on the card that you need. Um, so I was not expecting that to be as big of a deal as it is. But it's pretty yeah. required. That's pretty cool. Uh, oh, random slurpiness from Twitch has another question. Do you normally have a single use system compiling then testing, or do you compile on one machine then test on a different machine? For myself, um, we... let's let's go for let's go two angles. Let's say in a normal workflow, would would a person you usually have one system to do both or and uh, or or two and then also for your particular uh, interest um, so 
usually <laughs> it's because I know on... he's coming from that game dev kind of angle. Yeah. So I'm curious. I'm curious from your own work and then also maybe an industry standard, I suppose. Throughout the industry, it's going to just depend on the size of the studio, really. If okay. you're a large game studio, there's going to be certain people doing certain tasks. Um, so they'll be breaking up to do whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas a smaller, like especially a lot of the virtual production space is like maybe a couple guys throwing together sure. some stuff. Like sometimes they're pretty small teams. Well, and there's like large teams on the whole set, but sure. they, like the 3D guys are smaller people. So they might just be all doing it the same or using one machine to do everything. For okay. us at Puget, um, I'm pretty much doing most of the uh, development off of my home system, mm -hmm. um, which is a little slow. Um, I have a 7,700, I think. Oh, that's uh, not bad. I mean, it's pretty good, but like for, <laughs> for some of the stuff that we're trying to do, it's not yeah. great. Um, like for running games, it's, it's fantastic, but for, you know, trying to compile 6,000 <laughs> shaders, it leaves me a little wanting. Um, so for that, then I will VPN into work and use the, we have 10 or 12 systems on IP KVMs so I can control them, um, over the internet all the way down to BIOS level access. Okay. Um, and then. I'll run. So when I do a lot of the CPU testings, I've actually been doing that and then use like a 3950X or whatever is it free, whatever someone else is not using yeah. and do some testing off that. But then, well, basically I'll compile on that system and do all the benchmarking in the system, go to the next system, compile everything, benchmark everything, go to the next system, compile, benchmark. Cause like we're trying to test the compiling time. So right. I have to do everything on each system. So I know what huh. it does. But like in a real life workflow, in a studio, you're probably gonna have someone else compiling, someone else doing all of the stuff. I see. So and then so we do have another uh, another question from YouTube. Uh, Zan Zanzo Gaming. I'm gonna go with. Um, he's asking if we've tried the new 3080, 3090 for the kind of workload we're talking about, and I think that's a yes. And so, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, we uh, just published all the benchmark results for our 3080, 3090 testing uh, for kind of covers architectural visualization, um, virtual production, a little bit of game development style stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it's a bit of a generic. That's results. all in your Unreal Engine 4.25 3080, 3090 performance article? That is correct. Okay. Um, so yeah, we went through that um, for the higher end workloads, um, no like game. Yeah, plenty um, enough people do that. Yeah, that's not our <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, it's fasting games. Like well, I don't know what else you need to know. Yeah, you go to you go to Gamers Nexus for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I like the I like the virtual studio kind of thing. Um, yeah, I feel I feel like that's that's kind of been a thing for maybe longer than we might expect, but it's only. I feel like right now it's becoming so uh, like reachable mm -hmm. uh, for 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 a broader spectrum of um, I mean just everybody like I could I could make it look like I'm anywhere if I really wanted to and yeah. wasn't on my laptop <laughs> uh, <laughs> right had a good camera right 
Um, yeah, like the virtual. Um, that's super cool. Like the that kind of like news style sports broadcasting type stuff is mm-hmm. just it's exploding. Like everyone. Like if you turn on a sports broadcast, they're probably not sitting in whatever room you think they're sitting in. They're probably sitting yeah. at a desk in front of a green screen. Um, That's so cool. I saw this one really cool um, thing for some turn- tennis tournament that just happened. I can't remember uh-huh. which one it was, um, like the French Open, I think. But mm-hmm. so they have the reporter interviewing the winner, mm-hmm. but the reporter was not at the open. Um, they're at sure. whatever place they're at. There's... And then the player was at the stadium shot by a green screen. And then oh, that's cool. they're just like full body shot. And they're just standing there facing each other, having a conversation, but it looks like they're standing on a set together, but they're not in the same room at all. Um, wow. And then like, they even show like, um the uh actual studio that the anchor is in and mm-hmm. it's like a 10 foot by 10 foot square um green screen like as two walls oh. and a floor yeah um actually no they're led walls and floor and then oh. um so the system will see that and then anything past where it cuts off like they can pan past where the led stops uh-huh. But because it's all controlled by Unreal, Unreal just fills in everything else. You can't tell. So the wow. shot is actually like the virtual, the person that's the tennis pro is like not really on what that LED volume would be. It's off the side, but it's just right. all being composited in real time. Oh, that's so cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. Like they're opening up all kinds of things. So like they could, the news people could just be in a trailer with you know a camera pointing at a green screen and it looks like they're doing whatever they're just outside the stadium but they could talk to someone that's in the stadium and no big deal yeah that's super cool um so zanzo brings up uh, mentions compared to quadro and um i noticed that those aren't in the in your results mm-hmm. testing here um, so we don't typically directly compare geforce to quadro um, okay I was also waiting for the Ampere Quadro to uh, um, come out. Okay. So that's being announced on Monday. So Ooh. hopefully that'll give us a better, um, well, I assume it's being announced. That's when GTC is. And um, Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. NVIDIA sent out a big thing about come see us and blah, blah. So I'm hoping we get some information about when that's going to happen. Yeah. And that will determine if I'm going to wait to test the current generation Quadro or if um, I'll just do that now. And then if it's like three or four months down the road before we actually see the Ampere Quadro, then I'll redo it then mm-hmm. to compare okay. the new stuff. So I'm, it was kind of just like a, it's not really a fair comparison because they're like, if you need a Quadro, you're going to get a Quadro regardless of the performance. Like you can't do, okay. you can't sync the LED monitor and the camera and the system together on a 3090. You can with a Quadro. So okay. like, if that's what you need, you have to have a Quadro. Mm-hmm. Um, but which Quadro shooting, do you get? 
Well, I mean, you get the biggest one you can. Um, I mean, honestly, for virtual production, the and architecture, the like the eight thousand is really popular just because of VRAM. Like, okay, the six is like really good. Eight's mm-hmm. better because VRAM. Sure. Um, so yeah, it's not a total fair apples to apples comparison. Um, but I understand people want that information. I'm just yeah. trying to like not redo my testing, you know, a whole bunch in a row since NVIDIA already staggered the 3000 series launch so much. I right. redo it again here and whenever they decide to actually release the 3070. That's, that's here pretty soon, isn't it? Like the 12th or something? I think no, I saw. they just pushed it back to oh, the end the- of October. Uh, that's that. Yeah, you reminded me. The headline I saw was a delay for it. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Oh and man. Then, yeah. Um. Someone had mentioned. Uh, this was more directed. Something you saw on social media directed to us. But maybe since since I have you here, you can give some insight. Have we seen any instability with the cards that we've been testing so far? I know that that's been a bit of an issue. There's been some kind of hubbub surrounding capacitors. I think it is. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Uh, we have not in labs, mm-hmm. um, but we've only had the Gigabyte and the Founders Edition. Is the only one we've okay. tested. Okay. Um, we would have to check with uh, Josh on product qualification to see if he's he's the one that tests the other brands. Um, okay. See if they've had anything. But in labs, we haven't seen any stability issues. Um, a lot of the stability issues people are reporting are related to overclocking. And That's what we heard. don't use overclocked cards or, well, I guess we do mm-hmm. like factory overclocked, but not nothing crazy. We don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the Founders Edition wasn't really having that problem. And I guess there's okay. a new driver out that's supposed to fix a lot of it anyways. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't have any experience with crashing yet. Okay, cool. Uh, I wasn't sure how to answer it myself when, when that came up. So, And I even up in labs, we've had like three cards. Like we don't, we haven't done yeah. a lot. <laughs> so like, <laughs> you don't, like it worked. And so people that have the cards that work, they just work. And yeah. all of ours are okay so far. Right on. Um, curious, what are you most excited for um, in the future of your little niche here? Like, what are you looking forward to? Um, just the way uh, Unreal and, for that matter, Unity have just like exploded well beyond a game engine. It's now mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. whole thing. Um, it's a software package that can do so much. And like, this is what we're doing already. Like, I can't imagine what else is down the road for these engines. Like, um, just as more and more horsepower becomes available, they're just like more and more crazy things are going to happen. They keep opening up, um, so much of both engines to let developers do more things with them. Like, what do you want to do with it? Yeah. I have seen everything from. Um, Fox was using Unreal Engine to populate stadiums that are empty oh, because of right. COVID. So, like, instead mm-hmm. of having fans there, they just have fake people. Um, like, just all these crazy random uses. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, that works. Yeah, that's cool. 
Yeah. I know, I've noticed too, um, and, and, and think they've, again, this is something I think they've been doing for a really long time, but, um, I think, um, like a lot of the overlays, um, especially with sports like the little there'll be like a little ring that follows somebody mm-hmm. so that they can it's not just they're not just drawing yellow circles on uh, on the screen anymore like they right. um heck even uh ads um there's like certain uh, having been to the stadiums in the past you'll see like a, a panel that's that's green and you're like mm-hmm. what the heck or or they can just paste over the in-house ads on the television yeah. Um, I imagine that's very, very similar sort of use yeah, case there. there's all kinds of crazy things like, and that's not to say that like green screen filming and post rendering and all that kind of stuff is going away by any means. Mm-hmm. It's just op- opening up another tool for the filmmakers or videographers or whoever to do something. Yeah. Like I can't imagine that, that final scene of, um, Avengers Endgame, where like it's a huge green screen. There's people jumping on things, and right. there's like 30 actors on set. Like you're not going to do that in an LED volume. Like <laughs> you have to comp out all that foreground stuff, anyways, and put mm. stuff there. So like you're you're going to have to do the rendering either way. So live playback is not really an option. I see, or wouldn't be because like how are you going to like the guy that jumps on the back of one of um it's like the really big guy that uh not hulk Thanos, but um one of thanos's henchmen the really oh. huge guy yeah i know like what i mean they like jump on the guy's back and do something but like mm-hmm. that actor's not there it's just like a green screens like thing for the guy to jump on oh it's weird like, they have to like comp that out anyways like they don't you can't put a cg character to interact with the physical character in live playback. Okay. It's going to work, you know? So there's going to be, it's the old, old way is not going away, but who knows? Someone's going to come up with some crazy thing and it's like, Oh my God, they did a CG character, but it's real. And yeah. Right. Who knows? Huh? Yeah. I could almost see, I could almost see where it would be, you know, um, how they've done, uh, like a morph suit with some kind of crazy framework for a, mm-hmm. for a larger per- person where they'll do that in post. They can see where maybe they might do something similar, uh, yeah. I suppose live, but it, it gets, it gets a little weird. Like it, 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 it has to make sense, yeah. you know, for the application. So a lot of times they have to go in and like digitally move the actors, like the real actor's arm or hair or whatever to physically interact correctly with, the rendered thing yeah so like in doing it live it's really hard to make things exactly correct you know because mm-hmm. otherwise your arms will be floating when it's like the green screen's too far out or it's sinking in and yeah it's mm. but it's just another tool that some gen- genius filmmakers do something crazy with at some point yeah I, I am really excited to see the future of virtual production i think it's going to be uh just really big i think it's it's we're gonna see a lot of interesting use cases for it It, it's gonna be pretty cool yeah see it i can see a lot of it being used um for television i think more than film i i think yeah possibly yeah um 
Maybe you can help with this one. Uh, not quite on topic, but um, the Nether Sleeper's having issues um, sometimes when he moves windows around. They lag behind a ton. Any ideas why this might be happening? Uh, he goes on to say, it can't be my processor or RAM as I have a 6600K and 32 gigs. Uh, no, I'm not sure. That could be so many things. Yeah. Depends on like what else is running in the background. Like, yeah. Yeah. The system specs don't look suspicious. So, right. I don't yeah. know. Sorry. <laughs> if, if you have a Puget place. system, call, call up support. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's who I would call if I, uh, <laughs> when I have problems, I'm like, hey, uh, Ben, what's wrong with my computer? <laughs> uh, What's been, uh, so you mentioned, I think you mentioned, I don't know if it was before we started um, or during the stream so far, but what, what's been, um, I think actually maybe you've mentioned this before on a previous stream, but I know um, the programming side of this, actually like creating the, the code for the benchmark has been um, a new experience. Mm-hmm. And, but, but has there been, um, has there been any other aspect of, this the this world that um has been i guess a roadblock or or something that you've kind of had to figure out any sort of advice or technical issue that that came up you weren't expecting um uh, probably the biggest technical issue is um like when you start getting into these um higher end um virtual production or architectural visualization. I hate that word. It's so hard to say. Archivist. Um, oh, that's what that means. Okay. Yeah, yeah Archivist. Um, or sometimes you'll see AEC. That's architecture, engineering, construction. Okay. So you'll see that a lot with rendering, with um, CAD, all that kind of stuff. Um, anyways, um, the one of the things I've seen with those is because they use such high resolution textures. They use so many materials um, that the VRAM of a card actually becomes really important really fast. Whereas I come from a game design background, which is all about efficiency. Like Mm you want to reuse a texture as much as possible within a scene, or they'll have like, um, they would call them trim sheets to be like a texture that has like, like six or seven different like border pieces that tile horizontally. And it's like, this is the trim sheet for this level. If you need that piece for a different level, like you can't mm-hmm. use it because you're gonna have to load that entire texture just for that little strip. Oh. So you have to come up with something else. Um, so like that kind of stuff is like is very efficiency focused mm-hmm. on architecture. Like the, one of the architecture scenes I have, um, the light plate switch, like the light switch on the wall is 2048 by 2048 texture. Like that's huge. Like a lot of the game dev stuff, like you wouldn't use that for like a light switch might be like 128 megapixels, pixels by 128 pixels. Like you get a little tiny thing. Yeah. Um, they're just used such massive textures. Huh. That it just adds up really fast. Cause they want like photo realistic, like they want to, oh. be able to zoom into something if they need to, like they have a camera move and it passes through something like they want their customers to know this is a real place. 
I see. And if it looks like a video game, then they can be like, "This, I don't like it." Um, huh. So yeah, it, um, several of the scenes like didn't like anything other than the 3090 because it would crash on 4K um, mm-hmm. because it would just run out of video memory. Okay. Dang. Huh. I wonder if there is a way to make that more efficient, though. I mean, does it have to oh, be yeah. so? I mean, it, it seems like it. It just, just comes a brute down force to where, yeah. It just comes down to what they want to spend their time doing, mm-hmm. and a lot of times, like they're just getting these um, high resolution scans that are um, the texture, the like color information, bump map, the. Uh, reflectiveness, the bellness, all that, those different parts that come into a shader. Um, they're getting these high resolution scans and they're just like plugging in and going. Like they don't want to oh. spend time optimizing for the scene that they're going to have to redo a totally different scene in six months when the project's done and like mm-hmm. just do it over. So they just want, you know, use what they have that's high resolution and get it going. Um, I see. So yeah, if, if it was a game, they would then do another pass of everything to change texture sizes. Um, there's tools in Unreal that will show you um, what's called textile density, which is like okay. um, how much of the texture is showing like per, it's like texture versus pixel is textile okay. density. So like, there's no reason to have a 2048 texture that takes up no more than 128 pixels on a screen like you're just wasting information sure if you know this texture is not going to get any closer than a certain distance therefore it won't take up more than so many pixels that's kind of what you should be looking at and Hmm. the engine will like compare everything to make sure that it's all comparable um okay so there are optimization optimization tools that a game developer will go through because that's like critical to them Sure. It's, just not, it's just not important to architecture. All right. Especially huh. if you can just be like, oh, I'll pay a couple extra thousand for this video card and then I'll have to spend, you know, five times that amount of money going through each scene to optimize it. Like, sure. It's just, yeah. Huh. Uh, let's see. Ash, Ash Loki, uh, has a question from YouTube. I've been experimenting with dynamic textures in blender slash Maya. Uh, would that sort of solution work going forward into the future of ridiculous resolutions? Uh, clarifies, just to be clear, I mean using the node system to generate textures. Yeah, that's going to be the future at some point. Um, that's like uh, Maya Blender both do that a lot. Um, that's the whole basis behind Substance Designer. Um, you can get just crazy realistic looking textures without using a photo. It's all procedurally generated. Um, They're just very computationally expensive at this point. So Mm -hmm. maybe at some point we'll get to the the, um, place where we can compute that much information that quickly. But if you were to put that much computational need into these 6,000 shaders that are in a level, like Mm -hmm. it's just going to bog down any system. Like it's going to be hard to calculate all that constantly um so yeah i mean eventually that's probably where we're gonna go just like we had to force our way into 
um, uh, photo-based rendering and mm -hmm. then force our way into, um, um, geez, ray tracing. Um, right. Like those are just more accurate ways of getting rendering. So eventually we'll go to having node-based being real-time, but it's just not there yet. Ah, okay. Where, um, I suppose, where's the bottleneck for that then? Is it CPU, GPU? It's a... Um, I believe those are CPU bound okay. right now. Hmm. Um, not say they couldn't be GPU, but um, I think I'm pretty sure they're all CPU calculated. Okay. They're very um, um, linear basically because like you have this node graph and you have to like calculate these nodes and then these mm -hmm. nodes and then these nodes and then like it has to go in order and it's based on what happened with the node before. So oh, yeah. you can't just throw that tons sounds... of cores at it because they have to be calculated in order. Um, yeah, it's gonna, it'll eventually get there, um, but it, it's just a ways out. All right, that's pretty cool. Oh, let's see. Hmm. What? Uh, let's see. Kind of, uh, kind of ran out of questions. I had a few prepared. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just. I guess I'm kind of curious. Is there anything um, you'd like to talk about? Interest? Anything interesting and and cool or? Um, um, uh, I'm not sure. So Unreal has an update coming out that is going to shift um, the light baking from CPU to GPU, which should be. Oh, okay should help a lot, I hope. Um, it's kind of interesting because um, the biggest draw to baking lighting is for non-ray traced scenarios. Like, okay. um, especially like if you're doing a mobile game or on you're trying to support older hardware that doesn't have ray tracing or whatever. Um, it was just still a huge market. Like there's oh, a sure. reason not to do ray tracing. Um, but in order to do the um, um, the light baking on the GPU, you need a RTX video card. So oh, okay. It's a little seems a little odd, but yeah, you have to have the hardware so that way your customers don't. Um, but oh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, it should. Which I mean, developers are used to having the crazy system to support lower end systems. Like you need to have the better <laughs> system than what you're going to develop for. Um, so it should dramatically increase this, um, the time for that, which will help. They're also adding a few other GPU enhancements. Um, they've been talking a long time about adding, um, SLI support into Unreal. I'm curious where that's going to go now. Like they've been saying like, it's, it's happening. We're working on it, blah, blah. But now that yeah. Nvidia has basically stepped out of the picture for yeah. supporting in um, SLI. I'm curious if what Unreal would do because on one side for the game side, it's pretty much irrelevant now. Like there's yeah. no reason to go forward with that. However, on the um, architecture side or the virtual production side, they would probably use all the horsepower they can put into a system. Like you give them oh. horsepower, they'll use it. Sure. So. It'll be interesting to see if Unreal or if Epic will decide to add support in or not. Because, mm -hmm. like, on one side, they'll probably want to support 
that side, but also they probably want to tell the game creators, like, don't worry about SLI. Like, it's just not worth it. But if it's baked yeah. in this, into the engine, then what do you do? I don't know. Sure. Is is there really... I'm, I, so my initial question was, like, what would the advantage there be or be there uh, with SLI? Um, because I think, um, if I recall correctly, Don has mentioned that, uh, or Dr. Don has mentioned that in the in the near future um and maybe this only applies to the scientific machine learning stuff that um the the video cards will be able to communicate via the pci bus they can they could bypass the whole go into the cpu and back and and stuff and um oh don's here actually cool so maybe maybe i'm misremembering but um i know we can't do that yet i don't think okay at least as far as sharing the um video memory okay um but i mean don would probably know better than me um sure. and that's so a, that's one the, the biggest draws for um for video virtual production would be mm -hmm. to share that video memory because like i said we had people that were buying rtx 8000s solely for the vram so that's like mm -hmm. a you know eight thousand dollar card just because they want the VRAM. Yeah. So if they could, you know, use two 3090s and get the same amount of VRAM for $3,000, like mm. they're going to jump all over that. Sure. Um, and then not to mention whatever <sighs> Quadro does with their high end. Yeah. Um, like, because as, as resolution scales up, mm -hmm. the amount of VRAM that you need goes for the exact same assets you have in the scene. Right. So um, if you think 4K is really hard, now you have these massive LED walls and ceiling oh, and right. everything that you're trying to power. Like currently those actually aren't very high resolution. Um, right. But they could get higher resolution. Wow. Um, and then you just need more power, which means more VRAM. So like people would use it. Um, uh -huh. Yeah, just, I was. I'm curious to see huh. what they have because, like, they they actually added SLI support with this new update, but only for um, video output from the other cards. So the second card, you're okay. not sharing resources. It's not doing mm -hmm. any computation. It will just match the frame buffer, so you can split the frame into you know eight different outputs instead of four. Oh, or okay. On the back of a video card, sure. Um, yeah, it's kind of a limited version of SLI. Um, I wonder if we'll see kind of a waste because, like, now you're not using. Like, if you put two 3090s in and one of your 3090s isn't, isn't actually doing, doing anything, doing anything like, that's a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder because um, it 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 over these last three generations, I guess, from since the ten, the ten, the two twenty, and now the thirty series, it seems like Nvidia is. Uh, kind of taking away the SLI from or the NV Link from their consumer centric cards. It feels like, especially with the application you were just saying, like maybe they're trying to put it, kind of force people toward their Quadro card in order to take advantage of the the sharing and and the resource ability of that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. I I don't know that that's for certain the case but it tinfoil hat. does seem mm -hmm. suspicious like they've <laughs> been i feel like a lot of nvidia's choices with 
physical card designs over the last couple of generations have been an attempt to force people to quadro that have not been using yeah. the cards that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh. And yeah. Because anyone from NVIDIA is watching. Love you. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, no, I mean, and I, 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 don't, cards. <laughs> I don't think it's unfair to, to say, um, cause even, even back in the, with the 10 series cards, they made it very clear that, um, there was a distinction between consumer cards and workstation cards. And, and, um, so I feel like now they're, they're just really putting their foot down. They, they're, you know, mm -hmm. uh, which, Hey, that's, you know, it's their business and stuff. That's fine. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't say that with any sort of judgment, I guess. Um, yeah. Random Slurpiness asks, do you value ECC memory in your systems or just the fastest memory your system can support? Um, ECC doesn't really come into play a whole lot for any of the stuff that I use. Mm. Um, and we only support whatever the CPU manufacturer says that the CPU supports. So even though it can use up to like... 40, 66, or whatever, I don't even know what the numbers are. Like the official documentation for uh, Ryzen, Threadripper, Intel, all says like supports up to 2933 or 2666 or whatever. So like that's all that we use. And that is more of a, a, a Josh question as well. Like I don't, I don't know the details on <laughs> RAM speeds. Sure. I'm more of the software expert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we have another one from from YouTube. Timo TT asks, uh, "Are radio Radeon Pro cards any good?" And I have noticed um, there was a, a. It wasn't that long ago. There was a bit of a push from AMD for from for video cards, and they seem to have just like disappeared. Yeah, we don't really know what happened with Radeon. Like it. I don't know what they're doing. The seven, like the Radeon Seven, was supposed to be this hotness, and then there was like six of them ever in existence, and then they disappeared. Yeah, we got <laughs> one of them, um, and then didn't have a driver that would work with it for a long time. Yeah, and then I'm not like that was Matt was working on that one, and like it just kind of fizzled out. I'm. They're supposed to be announcing some new stuff coming up end of the month or something. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, hopefully, they'll do something. I mean, they really <laughs> want... Like, if they can do with video cards what they did with the CPUs, like, who knows what Fingers could happen crossed, in the man, future. I'm, you know, like... That'll be super um, cool. And at least I don't feel NVIDIA has been dragging their feet as much as Intel had been for the past mm. 10 years. Like, NVIDIA is still pushing technology pretty hard. Oh Whereas yeah, Intel just been like, "Here's a 10% speed boost this generation." Have fun. Yeah, if um, that even. Right. So um, <laughs> we still love you too, Intel. Right. Um, so I'm 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 hoping that the new generation does something cool, especially yeah. if especially if on the Radeon um, Pro side, if they can put some heat on Nvidia for Quadro, like. Mm -hmm. Bring them prices down or something. I don't know. Yeah, eight thousand dollars for uh for what? What what's the the eight thousand is one hundred twenty eight or something crazy VRAM? 
64. Only 64 and you're paying eight grand? (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Uh, Uh, What do you wish Intel would do just more than the 10% yearly thing? I suppose. Um, Although I feel like maybe that's a little unfair. I feel like we've, we've reached a point uh, like a almost a an honest to goodness physical limitation mm-hmm. um i feel like the the huh, the arm it, arm arms race is about to begin yeah. um and and that's going to be where we start seeing ginormous cpu or i guess it'd still be a cpu right if it's arm based um performance increases It'll just be yeah. only because it'll be you'll have four hundred cores on a on a thing, you know. Right. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, the ten nine hundred K is like an absolute beast for single threaded workflows, like especially gaming, like it's just it's really great. Sure. But I feel like even that, they were pressured from AMD's new new chips to start adding more cores and start doing something else. Yeah. Um, so hopefully they'll come back with some other stuff. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So we should hear something at GTC on Monday about Quadros, uh, Dr. Don is mm-hmm. saying. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's hoping for better pricing as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm yes, not holding my breath that's... for better pricing, but we'll see what happens. I mean, I think I think Nvidia surprised everybody with the with with the the pricing on these new cards. Um, I think a lot oh. of people were expecting a, a, another showing of twenty series, honestly. But the the thirty eighty is the same price as the twenty eighty. So, yeah, yeah, it's just it was just a much better performance increase than we've seen in a long time. But right. like, it was directly replacing the twenty eighty, and it came out the same price. So. Mm-hmm. And the 3090 is more expensive than the 2080 Ti. Oh, yeah, I guess. Huh. I guess, yeah. I guess these were just... But it's a, not really I guess better than... Yeah, it's just a different card. Right? It's weird. Yeah. I don't know what... NVIDIA just, like, does what they feel like doing at the time. <laughs> and then who knows what happens next time they do something. Right, right. I do. I, I think people were pleasantly surprised that it wasn't um, an insane markup, I suppose. Uh, is oh, here's a good one. Uh, Leanne Parma on Twitch is asking, uh, Is the 3090 the card virtual production and video editing pros were waiting for? Um, for the people that don't need Quadro features, they were pretty excited about it. Like, that's that's the one that more people are, um, in the virtual production uh group that I'm in. That's Mm -hmm. the one more people are interested in than the 3080. Um, again, purely for VRAM. Yeah, yeah, because it looks like in some of these tests, I mean, there is a a significant performance increase, and and is is that due to the VRAM? Do you do you put a lot? Do you attribute a lot of the the no, thirty ninety? If you um, compare the the difference in CUDA cores, mm-hmm. you see about a fifteen to twenty percent increase in the number of cores. You okay. get about a fifteen to twenty percent increase in performance, so it performs as we would expect just from the paper numbers. Okay, um, but the selling point for paying that much money is VRAM. 
Ah. Like, I think that's what a lot of people were upset about with the 3090, um, with the cost of it being so much yeah. more, more than twice the 3080, mm-hmm. is that the performance difference isn't that much, but you're really, it's really all about VRAM. Yeah. You need that to do higher resolutions. You need that for more textures, more stuff in the frame. Yeah. Right. Wow. I'm just, just looking at the, uh, the chart here you have comparing the, the specs and it, I've, I guess I hadn't realized cause it, it had been mentioned in when it first came out that the 3090 was kind of like the, the replacement to the Titan. And, and I can see, okay, 24 gigs of VRAM about the same boost clock, but those mm-hmm. CUDA cores, man, it's, that's insane. You, mm-hmm. you got listed here, 4,608 on the Titan RTX versus 10,496 on yeah. the 3090. That's nuts. No wonder it crushes the Titan by yeah. by, by a, almost double from looking at the in mm-hmm. the, the, the that's amazing. And While it's costing a thousand dollars less. Yeah, wow. the Titan the Titan RTX is 2,500, and that's 15. I think I could be wrong on my mm-hmm. numbers, but. Um, yeah, it's it's a beast of a card. Um, there are some Titan features that did not get transferred to the 3090. Okay. Um, for some people that need those, um, that's more of specific industries and stuff. But sure. Um, I think Don would probably know that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think. Yeah, one I think of he, Linus's he videos mentioned... talked about it too, but I don't remember. Huh. Just so we're gonna have to go for the 3090. Yeah, I mean, if if oh, so VR6 Doug he mentioned he comments the the V-Ray rendering performance of the 3080 was impressive. Just wish it had more VRAM. Looks like I'm gonna have to go for the 3090. And yeah, if 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 that's the if that's what you need, you gotta yeah. you're gonna have yeah, to. Because if you're trying to load everything in your scene into um, VRAM, you and you got a lot of stuff, you're gonna need more VRAM. Yeah. Uh, Garrett Reviews on YouTube asks, how is game development changing because of the new standards for graphics cards? Um, so in the long run, um, stuff like ray tracing is going to dramatically improve game development and give mm-hmm. you much better results, much faster Um you don't have to worry about baking lighting. You don't have to worry about generating cube maps for reflections. Um, your reflections aren't limited to either um, screen space or cube maps. Um, it's going to um, it's going to dramatically improve the process, which will then make games easier to make, make them better, blah blah. Um, it's going to take a while for that to really kick in because they have to now support RTX cards and all the video cards out there that do not have ray tracing. So they still oh, have to sure. do the old school way in addition to the ray tracing way. Yeah. So it's gonna be a while before it's a real major change, but mm-hmm. I mean, just some of the graphics like in Control and um, some of the new Battlefield games, like they look great when you're using yeah. ray tracing and stuff. Um, so it'll definitely, improve things um it's going to be a long time before it's like industry-wide the more thing i'm more interested about right now maybe it's just because ray tracing is now you know two years old and old school who cares about anymore Um, (laughs) everyone's ray tracing Eh. Um, Eh. is the um 
NVIDIA had announced this technology a while ago, but now um, the Xbox Series X and the new PlayStation are both implementing it. Uh-huh. Even though they're not using NVIDIA. Um, basically allowing um, stuff in storage to go directly to the video card instead of going through oh. CPU and RAM, then to the video card, then back out. Like it's just, it's a direct connection, which Whoa. makes things load much, much faster. Wow. Um, and will eliminate the like the little pop in when you know you're if you're going fast through an environment and you see things just suddenly appear. Yeah. Um, they'll eliminate that kind of stuff. Um, the the elevator loading scenes. Yeah, it'll kind of eliminate <laughs> a lot of those because you won't have to force a loading screen. Um, wow. So talking about elevator loading screens, I heard this funny story about um, Bethesda. Uh-huh. They made Morrowind on the original Xbox, like the yeah. original Xbox. Mm-hmm. Um, Microsoft showed them a way that like they could put up a loading screen and then reboot the Xbox in the background to be able to clear out the RAM so they could then load in stuff. So a lot of the loading oh. screens in Morrowind is actually like rebooting your Xbox so that they could like load in new stuff. It was wow. like faster to do that than to just load things. Game developers are crazy. They will do That's am- just amazing things to yeah. make things work the way they want it to work. That's crazy. Huh. Well, right up. Well, actually, on that bombshell, I think um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, so we are we are just a little over our hour, and I think that was that's an interesting little factoid to end on. Thank you very much for that, Kelly. Um, is there anything else you'd like to mention or, or shout out or um, just real quick before we go? Um, nothing specific. If any of you use Unreal, want to know a specific, have a specific use case that want to see some benchmarking around, please let me know. You can find me mm-hmm. on Twitter at, mm-hmm. what is my Twitter handle? Yeah, K- K- KW Shipman on Twitter. <laughs> I, I get or... confused because like that was my old school handle. And then uh-huh. um, when I got hired at Puget, it's just like K shipment. They didn't have the W in there. So oh, like, right. you're forgetting like, okay, which one, <laughs> who's where? Um, yeah. KW shipment so, on Twitter and let yep. me know what you want and I'll see what I can do. Do it. Yeah. The, help help shape the future of Puget Benchmarks. Um, so yeah. So uh, we'll say, say goodbye. Thanks Kelly for taking time out of the day to join us and give a little insight into the, the world that you're working in. And uh, thank you to the audience as well for joining us. We do this every Wednesday and Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Wednesdays we do we bring in uh, industry experts to talk about their process and, and tips and tricks, things like that. Fridays, like today, we bring our own industry expert or sort of software expert in um, to talk about this stuff and, uh, and take questions from you guys. So thank you very much. Um, mark your calendars, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.